Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Thank you for listening to the So You're Getting Married podcast. This is a show where I offer personal perspectives to brides and wives, to grooms and guys on things to consider before walking down the aisle, as well as some lessons that will endure before and after the wedding ceremony. I'm your host, Abuja-based event and wedding photographer, Tavishima Ayede. So, yesterday we looked at the entreaty part of the ceremony and whether that was essential. And the opinion that we came down on, and I hope you guys agree with me, is that even though technically speaking it's not an essential part of the ceremony because some families um, dispense with it, maybe because of time or uh, maybe because uh, they feel um, some people are trying to gain audience who they shouldn't, um, well, anyway, that since it's not an essential part of the uh, ceremony, it doesn't mean that it is um, without merit or that it is without meaning. So, my advice to those of you who are getting ready to walk down the aisle this year in 2021 was that, um, perchance, that was a part of the ceremony, that is a part of the ceremony that is going to happen at your wedding. I think you should pay attention because there's a lot of wisdom that we can learn. Uh, from the old ones uh, there and um, there's going to be some stuff that will strike your heart that will strike a chord with you or both of you and could serve us some good guidance for the future so that's it on the entreaties and now on to the most uh, famous part of the native um, ceremonies or the traditional wedding that's apart from the bridal covenant and that is item number seven as it used to be called back in the day and uh, that is uh, the issue of menu or food. Now, is that an essential part of the traditional um, wedding? Now, um, if we're going to be consistent with how we've discussed issues so far, you know, you would have to agree that it's not an essential part of the native wedding. So, in other words, if you show up um, to the bride's uh, home, they welcome you guys. Um, you guys have all the... Um, you know, you have all the deliberations, you settle the covenants, the, the entreaties and everything. And if after that the bride's family says, uh, thank you very much, uh, you may now go in peace, um, the whole show is over. Um, it might be considered in bad taste to not host your guests, but that wouldn't vitiate the fact that a proper um, marriage has happened. So in that case, um, yeah, if there's no item number seven, it still means that a valid marriage has occurred. However, you will find that uh, most families of proper standing would try to host you within their means. And the personal advice that I'm going to offer now, because I have seen some situations where uh, someone from a, uh, what should I say, a middle class background is getting married to someone who is in a family of lower income bracket. So I've seen sometimes that um, it's not said in the open, but you can tell that uh, you know some people are turning their nose up at certain items that are being um, served. But my own um, opinion is that you shouldn't do that because um, marriage is uh, a union of two people. We come from different backgrounds. It's a union of um, families. And so let's say, for instance, that... Uh, you, the boy, are from the middle class background and um, your girlfriend, the lady you're getting married to, is from a lower income background. If your family members turn their nose up at what is being served because it's unsophisticated, it's low class or they don't think it's befitting, it's not going to bode well for you in the marriage because it's going to be a sore point that 
your wife will remember and that members of her family will remember. Now, these people think they are too good for us. They think they're too big for us, uh, on and on. And these kinds of lingering tensions can be, um, these uh, lingering ideas can be a source of uh, tension uh, for marriages for a very long time. So, just bear in mind that you are going to be hosted according to the station of the family. And so, just take it that way. So, the converse is also the case that if you, the groom, happen to be the one who is from a lower income background and the bride's family, I mean, they're super stashed, you know, they have a lot of money and um, do not be overwhelmed by what it is that you meet there, by all the pomp and all the, uh, uh, all the splendor. So, um, because if the bride's family didn't think you were, uh, how will I say, valuable or worth it, or if you're not an adequate suitor, then this wedding um, would not hold with their blessings. So try not to be overwhelmed by these sorts of things. So just, just bear in mind that it's going to be according to the station of the person who is hosting you. And you will find that when you um, take it in this manner, the whole thing can turn out to be actually a very beautiful affair. For instance, there was a wedding that I photographed not too long ago, maybe about two years ago. Um, the lady was from the Niger Delta-ish, sort of getting married to um, a Yoruba guy. So there was a difference of menu, um, but everything was uh, was really low-key because the bride's family was not... Um, uh, let's just say they had fallen on hard times. They had fallen on hard times. So the menu was super low-key and there was lots of um, native dishes. <clears throat> so excuse me, lots of native dishes. And uh, I don't like fish. And I must confess, I had never seen so much fish in my life up until that point. I mean, I had no idea the kinds of fish-related things that you could do. So, I mean, there were different kinds of fishes. There were like shrimps of all sizes, all kinds of soups with different names. There was one soup that was even totally white, which I found very strange. And I wondered, you know, how do you, how do you get soup to come out white? It was really strange. Anyway, well, uh, forgive me. I guess I'm saying strange because for me, I'm not a fish eater. And uh, as far as I know, TV people don't have um, white colored kinds of soups. So for me, it was strange. But anyway, it turned out to be a really nice uniting um, experience. So the more upper class family, you know, you could upper class family in quote, that's the boy side of the family. I mean, they didn't mind. Everybody washed their hands and they all got down, people sitting in different parts of the compound and some of the aunties running tutorials that, oh, this is what we call this soup. Uh, oh, this one is the periwinkle. This one is this. This one is the dust. Ah, oh, do you like it? In fact, we'll do this one. We can do this one. When you're going, we'll pack this for you and we'll pack that for you. And it turned out to be um, a really beautiful experience and it was nice to see families united together and eating in love without any of the drama that sometimes comes uh, with this um, part of the um, ceremony. So it's not an essential part of the ceremony, um, but if it happens, let's take it in good spirits and let's not be overwhelmed or underwhelmed by what it is that we meet because our hosts are trying to greet us with whatever it is that they have. Like my father told me when I was a little boy, when you go and you meet a host, whatever you, they give you, you take. If they don't really have money and so they give you water, you drink. If they have loads of money and they throw you a lavish um, feast, you know, you eat. But either way, you go, you take it in good regards and uh, you do not disrespect um, or belittle or look down upon your host because of how little it is that they have. So, um, 
Uh, let's see, what else? Okay, yes, um, because of um, cultural palates, you know, sometimes um, there are a couple of things you might want to discuss uh, beforehand. Uh, for instance, is one situation where um, a northern groom, uh, I didn't photograph this wedding, I just happened to be there, uh, where a northern groom was getting married to some uh, someone from, um, gosh, I can't remember her, her tribe, but we had gone all the way to Calabar, who were in the family house in Calabar, but I don't want to assume that her tribe is um, ethic, but that's just where her, her parents lived. And so it's something that had to be discussed uh, ahead of time, um, that uh, dog meat was going to be on the menu. So, you know, certain things were not going to be served uh, to the um, to the section where the northern family was, although some members of the um, northern family, I mean, took it in uh, in good strides and were like, oh, I've heard about this. I've never tasted it. Let's just have a little. Let's see what it tastes like. So um, if you're getting married and... Um, uh, you guys have these uh, cultural differences when it comes to palates. You know, it's something that will have to be discussed ahead of time. Uh, for instance, um, Tiv from Benue State, North Central. Our people don't have a problem with eating snail. However, my wife is Isha and uh, her people have a problem with eating snail. It's taboo. So you find out about all these things ahead of time so that if you're um, a Tiv bride and you're getting married to a fellow who is Isha, you know, you do not serve them snail. So you need to have some of these conversations beforehand to um, avoid uh, some of the awkwardness that might result because you guys might try to do that high-end thing because, you know, snails can be expensive. They are a delicacy. So you might decide to do the high-end thing and have snails on every item of the menu. You know, rice with pepper snail and, uh, you know, maybe a goosey with, uh, I don't know, salted snail or whatever and you just snailize the whole menu. And then your in-laws show up and they can't eat because it's taboo that they don't eat snail in their own part of the world. Okay, so let me just wrap it up there. Let's not drone on too long about this. And uh, I think now that we're done with the formal requirements for the traditional wedding, I will move on to um, conversations that I'm going to have with my uh, cousin um, who is getting married, uh, getting married soon um, because uh, some of the questions there are kind of like an overlap that I receive with much um, younger men who are getting ready to get married. Remember, when I say much younger men, I'm speaking in a qualified sense because I'm still young. I'm just early 40s. So I'm not trying to sound like some, uh, I'm not trying to sound like some old dude. So, um, yes, when I say younger, I mean younger relative to me. So 25-year-olds who are getting married, that is rare. But, you know, people between 25, 30, you know, 32 are getting married and who think I'm an Egbon, they think I'm an older brother or something like that because I've been married close to a decade and so they want to sound my opinion out on a couple of things. But be that as it may, remember, experience is relative. I'm still a young one, so I can't be calling myself an elder uh, in the presence of people who have been married for... Uh, 20, 20 years plus, like some of my older cousins. Um, yeah, we do have people in my family who've been married um, 20, I think it's 24. The oldest of us has been married, I think, 23, 24 years. Okay, so that's it uh, for now. So thank you very much, guys, for listening to the So You're Getting Married podcast. I'm your host, Abuja-based event and wedding photographer. Thank you very much for your time and attention. I don't take it for granted, and I'll do my best to keep serving you guys up with uh juicy episodes and interesting things uh, to talk about all related to marriages and relationships and the beautiful lives that god willing we're going to build with our spouses okay so that's it you guys have a wonderful day